Welcome to the third episode of Mel Belgi Argentina Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who loves to sit around drinking mate and being called intense by relative strangers, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. I had forgotten how fun this episode was. <laughs> you know what helps a group of people who aren't getting along all that well? Send them on a little hike into the woods <laughs> to drink mate. To drink mate and get really pissed off with each other. Yeah. Hannah actually breaks down and cries during this discussion. And Manuela gets really shouty at uh, Chengang, which is great. <laughs> I can't tell if she was doing that to be funny or if she was genuinely mad. Because everyone just laughs at her. She was genuinely mad, I think. And everyone was just laughing at her. That's rude. <laughs> you didn't expect anything else, did you? No. <laughs> Good. Just making sure. So, previously the final nine toasted to survive in the first execution, but Ruth re-entered their lives with a chance to return to the game, or to leave via paint bomb. The group refused, sending her home in an explosive fashion. Manuela struggled to cycle up a hill, while Gilles learned Hail Mary in Spanish. Stein single-handedly earned the group 6,000 euros, but made an agreement with Hannah and Isabel not to tell the truth exactly, before it was Mark who was sent home. And we open the episode with everyone on the hike denying that they're the mole, except for Kathy. And she says she doesn't know, but she's about three years too early for claiming that she doesn't know whether she's the mole or not. And Thibaut says that he knows yet again after today who the mole is. He knows with certainty. Yep, because as I mentioned last episode, anything you hear Thibaut say, just take the opposite as the truth, because he is so wrong at everything. It's like the it's like that riddle where there's one guy who always tells the truth and one person who always lies. <laughs> so we begin on day six proper with everyone getting into the cars for a trip to Juramento, southeast of Salta. On the horizon, everyone sees some abandoned towers and knows that that's exactly where they're going. And they arrive at an abandoned industrial site with a rundown house next to it, where Papa Ver meets them for the challenge. And he's looking for two people with a steady hand, and six who can keep quiet. And they quite quickly decide that Manuela, as a seamstress, probably should have a steady hand, and that Hannah does arts and crafts in her spare time as a children's party planner, so they are the two of the steady hands. I mean, if you're a children's party planner, um, you should have a steady hand, because if you don't have a steady hand, you're probably going to smack the kids from them being such uh, big brats when you host the children's parties. That is very true. And I did also spot some graffiti behind uh, Papa Virgil de Costa with El Topo on it, which if you've seen uh, the early episodes of the rebooted American season, you'll know that that is Spanish for the mole. I know, I noticed that too. And Hannah and Manuela head to the basement, where they find a wire loop game set up. They have to move an electric ring across a wire to earn up to 5,000 euros, depending on how far they get. However, the other six have 30 minutes to turn off five switches hidden around the house. These switches are protected by seven blindfolded paintball shooters who shoot anything if they hear anything. Anyone who's shot is out of the challenge. After 30 minutes, if the sirens sound, they will lose any money that Hannah and Manuela earned. And before the challenge even begins, Bruno tries his hardest to organize some eta discipline but it just doesn't happen and the group decide to throw anything they can find to try and divert the blindfolded paintball shooters <laughs> do you see the first so they rock the first rock throw and jill just starts laughing saying that's the worst diversion ever <laughs> the best thing about this is this is the second opening challenge in three episodes where you can tell that they would never do a challenge like this again because the cameraman comes very close to being shot in the face quite a few times on this challenge. It is hella dangerous for the camera people. 
I mean, it's not as close to nearly getting run over on the Salinas Grandes, but it is pretty close. <laughs> I'm still laughing about that, that rock throw. It's like, that's how people naturally move when they walk. They just skitter across the ground on the gravel very lightly and very, very quickly. <laughs> so Bruno's the first to enter, and he doesn't see the switch by the entrance. And if Hannah and Manuela touch the wire, an alarm goes off in the helmets of everyone else, alerting the shooters to their presence. If you were in the mall, which group would you want to be in? I mean, I would say it's easier for the mole to hide in the bigger group on this challenge. Because all they have to do is make sure that they maybe shout that a room's clear, for example, and it's got a switch in. Or maybe they just have to make sure that there are loud noises going on for everyone else in the challenge. It's much easier to hide if you are in the bigger group in this sort of challenge, and I'm surprised I'm saying this, because on the surface of it, you should probably be on the wire, because you can control how much money there is. But if you're in the bigger group, you can control whether they earn the money or not, and that's the important thing. Right, because it's like, cause you don't get to control if, the, if they succeed on top or not if you're doing the wire portion of it. If you're down below, you can only minimize the amount of money they earn. If you're above ground, you can guarantee how much money they earn. Yeah. Or you, or if if you're with the wire, even if you constantly trip up the wire too, all you're doing is increasing the odds that they fail up there. You're not guaranteeing the odds. Exactly. And I just got to say, probably that was the first really suspicious act Bruno has done with ignoring the first switch in the wall that I think probably made other people suspect him, I would assume. Because no one else is, whoever follows isn't really going to try and look at that switch either. No. So Bruno gets eliminated incredibly quickly and just gets shot right in the head. <laughs> Headshot. It's like Unreal Tournament. Monster kill, kill, kill. <laughs> God, I haven't played that game in 15 years. <laughs> so Stein tries to be a bit quicker than Bruno was to minimize his target, and Hannah and Manuela are not helping because they are completely oblivious to what actually happens if they hit the wire. They just think that they have to go back to the previous checkpoint. And with 20 minutes to go, Isabel and Jill enter too, and Isa is shot very quickly. Isa does not last long. Nope, although not as quickly as Kathy is later in this challenge. And Jill sprints in and makes quite a scene, at which point I... I had in my notes, I'm pretty sure he's just saying the Hail Mary in Spanish right now. <laughs> well, he has it memorized. <laughs> he just mutters it in his sleep. And then Hannah and Manuela finally get the hang of it. However, in the first 12 minutes of the 30 minutes of this challenge, no switches have actually been triggered. So Gilles manages to turn off the first switch, but as he's leaving the room, the alarm goes off again and makes him a target. And then Kathy and Thibaut choose to enter at this point, and Kathy has the bright idea to use a small crate for protection, and six seconds later, loses, thanks to Thibaut throwing something as a distraction, in the same direction she's heading. Damn it, Thibaut! <laughs> this is another challenge where you just go, Thibaut, you're an idiot, <laughs> and you are doing everything wrong. It's funny, the one challenge they get to do perfectly, or one of them, one of the few challenges they've been able to ace in the first three episodes, is one that Thibaut couldn't physically compete in because he fainted. They're really hoping that Thibaut was scared of paintball guns. If he was able to faint before the start of the challenge, they would have earned a lot more money. And it also would have been very entertaining. <laughs> Just passes out. <laughs> 
<laughs> right when he gets to the first switch. <laughs> just every single challenge from now until until Tippo potentially goes home, he just has to faint at one challenge every episode. So we gotta get we gotta get money in the pot. What's 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 Tippo's greatest fears? And Jill's moves very, very slowly in this challenge. Like, if that alarm trips, he's going to get shot instantly. Yeah. Although it's not necessarily the worst tactic is uh, in this game is to move slowly, but move carefully. Yeah, but he was, yeah, he was just moving so damn slow. There was no benefit to it. He would have been at a lot less risk if he just suddenly sprinted across the one section to get away from a shooter. Because if that alarm goes off, bam, 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 he's done. That is true. So with seven minutes to go, Thibaut spots the second switch, and he gets it, and then Stein gets the third one almost straight after. And the three eliminated people spot the switch by the entrance, but can't help without drawing attention. Isabel shouts, and Gilles goes back to try and get it. And thanks to Hannah and Manuela, he manages to get shot on the way back. And then Thibaut gets shot in the face straight afterwards, thanks to a creaky floorboard. And all hopes for the challenge rest on Stein. And he was so close to saving the team again. He was. Do you think he threw this? At the end, in the last minute, I mean, after he got a bunch of switches, no problem. Yeah, I'm going to revise what I said in the first couple episodes. I think Stein got scared after earning all that money in the soccer challenge. Because he had one minute to go. He probably could have gotten there, and it would have looked really good. But uh, I think he was still worried about his chances of getting further uh, being reduced if no one thought he was the mole. But the thing is, there's the only problem with that, though, is that it's almost like the, the ship has sailed and there's just way too many people that have established being suspicious more so than Stein. Yeah, because if you consider that the switch that he needed to get was on the side of the room that he would have been coming out of. So he would have just been able to lean around the door and hit the switch, probably. Because mm-hmm. he's not a small chap, is he? Stein was at the finale last year, I think, and uh, I seem to remember he wasn't much smaller than us two. Yeah, but he was quick. He was by far the quickest one the challenge. So I'm reasonably confident that he probably thought, I'm going to draw way too much positive attention to myself here. I can't succeed here. On the other hand, I mean, we, we, we've had a Belgian mole winner who refused to sabotage anything, and he won the whole season. That is true. So Stein does get the fourth switch and only has to get the entrance one to bank the cash, but has three minutes left, and Hannah is getting bitten alive. As somebody who's been to Argentina, I can tell you, there's certain sp- that's not a spot I would want to be. <laughs> there's a lot of bugs floating around. I did think that when they were going down the stairs to go into the basement, I thought, I can already see clouds of midges here. <laughs> this is going to be a bad challenge for them to try and have steady hands on. Yeah. Plus, they're in an area where there's going to be a lot more sweat, too. It's more intense, and then you have the bugs, and they're in your face, and you can't really shoo them away without, like, jerking your other arm to hit the switch. Yeah, this wasn't the easiest uh, environment to do a wire loop. No. And in more interesting news, when Jill got hit by the paintball, it didn't actually burst. No comment. <laughs> so, everyone packs their bags for a big hike in Salta. And on the way, the guide gives them Mate a local drink. However, they start discussing how aggressively Kathy and Thibault in particular are playing. And Isabel says she wasn't allowed to sit at a different seat at breakfast the previous morning, so it's easier for them to remember who's at where. <laughs> That's so funny. I can't imagine being there and Kathy being like, No, no, you stay where you stay put. You sit your ass back down. You're gonna be in that chair 
from the day you started this game until the day you get executed. I'm not gonna lose. I'm not gonna lose out on fifty thousand euros because you can't stay still, Isa. It's peak intensity, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could see that footage. Of, like Isa just very casually standing up, and then Kathy just flipping over the table and saying, "No." <laughs> Do you want to sit in the same place at breakfast every morning, or do you want to find out who the mole is? <laughs> I just wanted to use the bathroom. I wasn't even switching chairs. I was just going to go call my mom. Meanwhile, Mark is just being careful at his uh, at his seat that he doesn't sit next to too many guys because, you know, <laughs> his wife might think something's up. I don't want my wife thinking I'm having a sandwich for breakfast. <laughs> He didn't want to sit next to Jill in, in case he made him feel uncomfortable. That's what it was. Yeah. I once... <laughs> Imagine him having to defend my, defend himself. <laughs> Don't worry, Chills. I once sit between two guys, even if it was you or someone not like you. I'm just worried if I sit between two guys, I'll think one of them is my wife and I'll start making out with them. What we didn't see is that at breakfast every morning, if Mark had to sit between two guys, he did wear his sleeping bag. <laughs> For extra protection. Yeah. It was just because it was two guys. It's it's not it's not because Jules is gay. Yeah. <laughs> just walks around in the sleeping bag all day. Must be tough having to drive from task to task. That means Mark could never be in the back seat. He'd either have to be the driver or the front passenger. Mark just cut holes in his sleeping bag so he could drive with it on. <laughs> Armholes. Yeah, he just needed one extra layer between him and other guys. That's all it was. <laughs> he wears the he can wear he can borrow one of the paintball suits. Just walk around in that. <laughs> so after a few hours, Papa Virgil de Costa meets them at the Sheraton in Salta, and that's where they're staying for the night. If all goes well, across the street is a truly awful building where their final assignment of the episode will take place. It is a former slaughterhouse that is truly disgusting. And they get to play what has now become a classic mole challenge, mostly known as Chain Gank. Everyone is bound to a long chain attached to the wall and must release themselves one by one. There is a cage containing the key to the chain in the middle of the room, but there is only just enough slack in the chain for one person to go through it at a time. The cage opens every ten minutes for one minute at a time for someone to grab the key and release themselves. And if everyone frees themselves before sunrise, they can earn 5,000 euros for the pot. However, there is also the first Vreistelling of the game. If anyone takes it, they earn nothing, and everyone still chained up sleeps in the slaughterhouse for the night. And I haven't run the exact figures on this, but I'm pretty sure that this is the most frequently played new mole challenge. And I don't mean like the really classic ones where every single version adapted basically the entire season, but I'm pretty sure that there are more versions that have played Chain Gang than any other game now. I think so, yeah. Because it originated in the US reboot, but has since been played in Vidim Japan, which you've seen, Australia 6, which I think you've seen, and my personal favourite, Kie Litope, French Mole. Yeah, in Vidim Japan, the very last guy took the exemption. That was Fritz was just alone, right? But he had to actually stay out in the in the woods. It wasn't a case of him being able to take the exemption and go to the hotel. Yeah, so there's some ambiguity on the rules, because some versions make you stay the night if you take the exemption. Some versions, like this one, let you free yourself and then take the exemption and therefore condemn everyone else left on the chain. 
the best version of this, though, is the French version, because I'm pretty sure we've discussed this before. The French version took place in Kruger National Park on a big kind of semicircular platform, and the cage was a longer plank in the middle of them. And someone ended up taking it who was like halfway through the running order. I think there were seven people left, and I think the person who took it was like fourth in the running order. So that person and then the other three had to stay the night. And they had to free them during the night because there were lions circling the platform. And that is why you do not do that challenge in Kruger National Park. You think that the Salinas Grandes challenge is dangerous for the cameraman with uh, nearly getting run over, but there were literally lions circling the chain gang task in France. Wild lions. Yeah. Like, for those of you who haven't been to Kruger National Park, I can tell you... There's a lot of wild animals walking around. Like, I'll, I'll tell quick two two quick stories from when I was in Kruger National Park, just to, just to give you an idea. One was that there were wild monkeys, uh, like blocking the exit of the car to leave like our little compound area. So some of the employees, who I was because I stayed with the employees at Kruger National Park, which is a story of itself. So they have to like lightly throw rocks close to the monkeys just to try and get them to go away. You mean like Thibaut did with the uh, with the rocks to distract the blindfolded paintball shooters? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> worst diversion ever. Um, and then there was a giraffe that blocked our parking spot once, <laughs> and we just had it. We it was really cool though because we just watched the giraffe for about ten minutes, and it's like okay, we got to figure out where to park this car. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And then if you walk around Kruger National Park itself, just even the more in the safer area, there'll be like warthogs just casually walking around (laughs) sometimes. I don't think we've really compared safari stories, actually, because last year, back end of last year, I went on safari, didn't I? I went on a private game reserve rather than Kruger National Park, though. Mm -hmm. Um, And we got there at lunchtime from uh, Hermanus, I think it was, we were driving from. We got there at lunchtime, and it was kind of this big outdoor restaurant that they were serving lunch at and in the distance you could see the watering hole and there were zebras drinking out of it and that was the first thing we saw that's when so we got cool there. it's like it's like holy shit this is awesome <laughs> but yeah we saw giraffes and elephants and warthogs at the watering hole that day uh we ended up seeing some cheetahs we saw a newborn baby rhino which was so cute what yeah, we were the first group to see the newborn baby rhino as well. It's the first one that had been born in five years. So cute. Yeah, it was an insane trip. But also, you don't mess with lions. No. In summary. Yeah, like when you're uh, driving around, like I think you saw my survive pictures of the lions hanging a bell on the road. They're like, keep your arms inside the vehicle. <laughs> if your arm is outside the vehicle... That's that's called that's called food to the lions. If your arm's outside that vehicle, you will not be leaving the country with that arm. You'll look like Sticky from Sticky and Sam from Amazing Race Australia too. Does that mean if you get a lion to eat your arm, that makes you better at cricket? Asking for a friend. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Or what was crazy too with Kruger with the area I stayed in? They because the to get from. Where I was staying in the research off facility and stuff, there's like a road between there and the rest of the main area of Kruger National Park where the campers are and the and the tourists and the restaurant and the shop. There's just this one road that's completely unsecured. So they say during the day, 
sure you can walk on that. It'll probably be fine. Just know you, you are taking a you are taking a risk. And if it's nighttime, do not walk on that road whatsoever. So it's almost like this uh, adrenaline thrill each time that I had to walk on that path after I'd done teaching and needed to go get some groceries and stuff. It was only like a five minute walk, but it's like, man, this is a completely unsecured area. Like a lion could jump out of the bushes randomly and take me. <laughs> and then you would have just got texts from me when uh, we were meant to be recording Belgian Mold just going, Saunders, are you actually bothering? I'm getting really fucked off with you now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Chen Gang. Yeah. So they begin by stating whether they will take the exemption or not, and Kathy and Gilles both say that they want it, and Stein and Isabel are both tempted too. And Isa suggests that if everyone wants it, then the last person can just take it and be the only person to have to sleep in the slaughterhouse. At which point, Manuela loses her shit. She gets very angry. She just starts ranting, almost in a maniac sense. And we get the incredibly sad sight of Papa Bear having to drink alone. <laughs> it's like, this is what it, this is what it's like. This, it should have had that hashtag along the bottom, quarantine 2020. <laughs> I am so sad that I couldn't get that as our banner this week, but they put the, um, the timer on it annoyingly. Otherwise, Papa Bear drinking alone would have been our banner for this one. Oh, I am totally going to screen cap it and post it on Instagram and tag him in it. <laughs> I actually have noticed that I always do one Papa Bear banner every season because we had the um, the one where he's really nauseous on the boat for the reunion uh, in Vietnam. The grease one was him trying not to piss himself laughing at the shoplifting challenge. Like this one very nearly was him drinking alone. It's subconscious. I just always tend to make one of the... Uh, one of the banners, uh, a Papa Bear one. Just to remind him we know he's there. Yeah. <laughs> he's an important part of the show. So they choose Bruno to leave first, and he takes the key, and he guesses when Papa Bear asks him that Manuela will be next. And Isabel suggests that Cathy or Gilles goes next, as there are consequences if they take the rice telling then. Thibaut ends up being volunteered next, and he takes the key. And Papa Bear asks if he's sure enough to gamble on leaving next, and he says that he just wanted his gin and tonic. <laughs> and then Hannah, Isabel, and Stein pressure Jill to go next. He frees himself and then tries to sit in his brother's seat at the head of the table, but didn't take the rice delink. Did you notice that? As soon as he came in the room, he was like, I'm taking the seat at the head of the table. Oh, and then, yeah, then Papa Bear says, no, 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 no you're not. <laughs> yeah, and Papa, Papa Bear says, get the fuck out of my seat, get to the end of that table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only I may sit here. <laughs> there is only room in this game for one Jill, and it is me. <laughs> I like how they all at once it was what Bruno, Bruno T Boat and Jilds all at the table. How they're like, man, I'm glad it's just it's just the four of us. <laughs> we don't know how long it'll be till the next person's allowed to come in. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, if Mark was there, he would have been so awkward with that. He just can't be around a group of dudes. He gets yeah. really uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just one of the guys, right? There's, there's no subtext to this um, this meal, is there at all? <laughs> Even though Mark was eliminated last week, I still I'm just going to keep doing the Mark jokes because I find them so funny. I'd completely forgotten about Mark's gay panic in episode one. <laughs> so Kathy refuses to concede before one of Manuela, Hannah, or Isabel goes next. This gets intense. Yeah, they start properly arguing. Yeah, it's like no wonder. 
Bruno Thibault and Jill were too afraid to take the exemption because this is, it would have been way worse than this if one of them had. In fact, there's a good chance there would have been an execution <laughs> in the slaughterhouse overnight. <laughs> see, part of me really wants to see one of the boys take the exemption just to make these girls have to sit there being so annoyed at each other. Well, look at Vidim Japan. No one even had to stay the night other than the guy who took the exemption, and it still really pissed people off for the rest of the season. Yeah. This is the sort of challenge that they put in early to ruin everyone's friendships. Because Chain Gang ruins people's relationships, and it's very funny. <laughs> because it's such a simple challenge. It's, do you play selfishly or do you play for the team? Yeah. And they always find somewhere really interesting to do it in, because we had um, that abandoned factory for the original version of it in the US reboot. We had the Suicide Forest in Japan. We had Kruger National Park with real-life lions for France. And then this one is just revolting as a location. I like how Hannah just starts casually cooking food, and they're like, are you seriously cooking dinner when we might all be eating at the Sheraton? And it's like, well, yeah, I'm hungry. Just in case. Bitch, grab my poodle, and bitch has got to eat. So, yeah, they start properly arguing and wasting time, and Isabel and Kathy 100% do not trust each other, which is a theme that's going to continue. And then Isabel ends up relenting and freeing herself next, and she didn't take the exemption. Kathy is next to go, and she says she'll let Hannah or Manuela take the rice telling if they want it, and she didn't take it either. Manuela is next, and Kathy doesn't think of her as competition. That's why she was like, yeah, Manuela, you know, just take that exemption. It might save you one round, but then you're going to be gone. I mean, look at your demographic. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the curse of the old woman really hasn't started here yet. By the end of this episode, it is firmly in place. Yes. So Stein is the penultimate one to go. He frees himself, doesn't take the exemption, and he couldn't leave Hannah there for the night, he says. And then Hannah is the final one there. She comes back empty-handed, so brings 5,000 euros into the pots, giving us a total of 5,000 euros of a possible 10,000 for the episode, and 21,500 of a possible 45,000 for the season so far. Other than Stein, who do you think was the least suspicious amongst the other players? Probably Manuela. Manuela? I was thinking Hannah. Yeah. I don't know. I would always be a little bit suspicious of Hannah anyway, because she does seem a bit too nice. She always seems like she's covering up for something. I like the little face paints that her and Isa did during the challenge. It's like, oh, they're like little raccoons. Oh, don't remind me of raccoons. been playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> Fucking tanukis. Um, the thing about Manuela is that by this point, she hasn't really shouted at anyone until this challenge. So she's kind of been the mama of the group and sort of very loving and caring. And I think that if she was the last person up there, she probably would have been very tempted to take the rice selling, but I don't think she would have done it. Do you think anyone? You think if anyone was the last person, they would have just caved and taken that exemption? Oh, Kathy would. Which is probably why Hannah was so stubborn, saying, "Yeah, Kathy, you're not, you're not, you're not allowed to leave before. You're not allowed to uh, leave after me." Yeah, basically, the storyline of this first three episodes is Kathy is hella intense and will do anything to win. I have no doubt in my mind that Kathy would have taken that exemption if she was last. Yeah, and the only reason why she didn't when she didn't get up to the cage is because that would just guarantee that she has zero access to information for the rest of the game. She's already on thin ice with everybody. Making everyone breakfast didn't do enough. Hannah just cried earlier that morning because of how much she hates Kathy. <laughs> so 
Yeah, probably taking that exemption when there's still two or three other people behind her. That would just be a net negative for her game. Good luck having any leverage to keep people sitting in the same chair at breakfast day after day. She would have ended up shanking Hannah, Manuela, and Stein if she'd uh, if she'd taken it. Yeah. So everyone ends the day by just discussing Kathy and how lovely but competitive she is, and how they cannot bear to be in a challenge with her. <laughs> and they wake up on day seven in Salta with the opportunity to relax for the day, and they also get a chance to call home, which is something they never do anymore. Manuela really wants to tell her husband what's happened so far, but she's not allowed. Thibault says that he's one of the favourites. Hmm, not sure about that. And another example of Thibault saying things and you just going, no, the exact opposite is correct. And in something that I'd completely forgotten happens, but breaks my heart a little bit, Stein's girlfriend does not pick up. He has to leave her a voicemail. <laughs> it's so awkward when you get the montage of everyone like crying and calling home and saying how much they love their uh, their family members, and then Stein's just like, yeah, I'm going to give her one more chance, and then I'll just leave a voicemail. <laughs> I gotta get back to this. <laughs> we're only allowed, it's like prison, we're only allowed 20 minutes. <laughs> the warden's coming around. Yeah. <laughs> Warden Jill Sacosta. And Bruno says that he sent the letter to Santa already, which is the first real memory that we have of the fact that they filmed this sort of November-December time in 2015. By the time they got back, they really didn't have long until Christmas. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense that they filmed it during that time, because that'd be during the much nicer weather in Argentina. Yeah. I went down to Argentina during April, and the weather was not the greatest. (laughs) And then Ice Queen Kathy finishes the segment by crying. And it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least will go home. And Thibaut says that the mole could have made a lot of noise in the paintball game to draw attention. Bruno says Stein waited too long to do anything in the paintball game. Manuela says the best place to be would have been on the wire, but neither her or Hannah are the mole. Stein suspects Bruno a little, as he knows everyone's personalities after three rounds. Isabel focused originally on Bruno and Cathy, but now it's more Gilles and Cathy. Gilles says he worries that he has tunnel visie already. Hannah says she's using her gut feeling and not getting too fanatical. And Kathy says that no one wants to go home, but some people would be more disappointed than others if they have to leave. And then Gilles, Isabel, Stein and Kathy all get green screens before Manuela is next to get sent home. And now she can actually tell her husband what she's been up to. I got executed! Yeah. She says on the way out, now only the stronger left, and she hopes that Hannah wins. The last thing she got to do was hang out in a slaughterhouse. <laughs> what a fun, what fond memories. <laughs> Notice how Papa Bear didn't ask her what her highlight was because she would have been like, "Yeah, I really loved spending the evening in a slaughterhouse with creepy crawlies <laughs> and Kathy." Kathy, <laughs> what would you prefer, the creepy crawlies or Kathy? <laughs> you know what they should have done when when she exited was they should have played the theme song for The Wire. That would been a, that would have been a fun joke. You gotta keep the devil down in the hole. So, have you got a eulogy for Manuela? I don't know, but if there was one, there'd be a lot of just angry, random yelling that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then people would just laugh at me thinking I lost my mind. And that's saying a lot when there's Kathy in the group. (laughs) So next time there is a musical taxi tour, everyone gets a little bit handsy, and they all go out drinking. And I have to point out now, the musical taxi tour 
is probably the iconic task of this season. If you ask anyone who's seen this season what the best task is, they probably will say the musical taxi tour. And I will have to say that now we're entering the the two, I think Buenos Aires and La Plata are like the only two locations left for the season. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, we're going to get, you're going to, now the viewers are going to have to suffer through, oh, I know this place, I know that place. But what they do do with the, um, with Buenos Aires especially, is do some really fun challenges there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit disappointing that they're only going to really two more locations, but they do a lot with Buenos Aires. Oh, I have nothing against using Buenos Aires and La Plata for the remaining few episodes. Yeah, it's just something to bear in mind that the locations aren't as varied after this episode. Yeah. And they just have to be two places that I spent a combined total of eight days in. Even better. <laughs> yeah. So have we got anything else to say? No, I think I'm good on episode three. Sayonara, Manuela. Yep. So thank you for listening to our Demol Belgium recap. We'll be back next time to continue the hunt for the mole in Argentina. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us at contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsuperquacky, and I'm MJ Halfstone. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring.